thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. Hello and welcome back to the Barefoot Movement Podcast. I'm your host, the Barefoot Podiatrist, Paul Thompson. And today I have with me Sui Cooper from Vivo Barefoot Australia, New Zealand. Welcome, Sui. Nice to chat to you. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. I'm excited. Me too. I've been wanting to get a hold of you for for a while now. It's just like everything, the world gets crazy and we kind of, between yourself and Gary, with the other owner of um, Vivo Australia. The other half, yes. The other half. We just <laughs> kind of, you know, when we chat a lot, but we just never have really brought this together. I'm really excited to chat about um, Vivo Barefoot Australia and and uh, the ins and outs of Vivo and where, where it's heading. Yeah. So how did you guys get involved with, with Vivo Barefoot? I mean, I guess back when you guys started, it wasn't as popular as, as it is now and, and Barefoot Shoes weren't on many people's radar and weren't as, I mean, I wouldn't say they're mainstream, but they were nowhere near as mainstream as they are now. What what sort of got you involved in Vivo Barefoot? Uh, Gary actually uh, found the brand when he was working with some podiatrists, um, to be honest. He was cruising around the world looking at trade shows and he found these incredible shoes, which uh, initially he sort of thought, oh, this is this is interesting. It's all about movement. And he was working with these podiatrists and they were designing uh, orthotics and things like that. And he was finding that um, a lot of the the information that they were working on was based on the premise that people were broken, whereas what the Vivo people were saying was all about, you know, the human body is an amazing creation if we actually just let it do its job. And he'd found a product that... um, let the foot do its its thing basically and it was focused more on wellness than being in a broken state so it was something that he was attracted to and we uh, formed an attachment to the brand because um, we had a couple of little kids and we wanted to look after their feet and I was in a broken state and so he brought these shoes home and we fell in love and then started a company so that we could represent them. Big gamble. I mean, <laughs> movement, gamble. movement as opposed to breaking what's uh, or fixing what's broken. It, yeah, I mean, it, it seems uh, like a great idea, but unfortunately, it's not the way our um, our society is conditioned to to treat things. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys took the uh, took the step in doing this because, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like. Oh yeah, it was it was an absolute for us. It was so logical as soon as. It was explained to us like, well, yeah, of course, this makes perfect sense. And we thought, this will be easy. It will be great. You know, everybody will understand it. <laughs> but it was, um, you're right when you said it was nothing close to mainstream. It was almost the opposite. To to have people look at our shoes in the beginning, um, people used to actually sort of point and laugh. It used to be a, what are those and what the hell are you doing? Um, and it has been a really sort of a, a hard slog for it to um, for the brand to get some traction, and then inevitably, what happened was we had people on board like yourself and the professionals who saw the benefits of this, and it's it's been through that education process, and then the, the public shift to wellness being such an important part of life and, and approaching things holistically that have helped the brand sort of grow to where it is now. It's funny, hey, I mean, when I started treating people differently as a podiatrist with, again, trying to stop fixing broken things and looking at, you know, exercises to help strengthen feet and, and work on gait patterns and things, I was yeah. the same. I was like, well, this, wow, this makes sense. It was mind-blowing for me. And I, you know, started yeah. going down this path and, and I was the same. I wanted to get this out to the world and, and help people move better. And I had podiatrists who were quite high out ring me saying, you know, well, no one wants to stand on one foot and do exercises. That's just stupid. Like, just make an orthotic. Yeah. And I, like you guys, I just found what seems so simple and makes such perfect sense. It's funny how there's so much resistance yeah. <laughs> to just getting back to to not being broken. <laughs> like, it's just, it blows uh. my mind. 
But well, you look, guys have come a long way. Oh, yeah. And we have had um, – one of the reasons why we've our uh, marketing has been more or less totally organic is because in the times that we attempted to get the actual message out, you know, like things like the fact that all of these incredibly structured shoes are really very bad for children's feet and their development, when we did things like that, we got calls at, you know, 10 o'clock on Friday night from lawyers in London from Clark's Shoes saying, you can't say that don't do that, do this, you know, and there's billions of dollars at stake in convincing people that they're broken. Mm -hmm. So to be, you know, these voices in the wilderness going, you know what, you've got everything you need to be good and moving well and what, you know, what we've got as a basic instrument in our bodies are mind-boggling if we just let them do their thing. If we stop trying to interfere and work on strengthening and, and all of the functionality that we've got, then things would be different. So it's not surprising that people higher up sort of go, don't do that, because when there's money at stake, it's amazing what people will do. Oh, so it's funny how when there's, when there's money to be made in fixing someone, a lot yeah. of people really kind of back down in taking yeah. the cheaper or simpler approach to helping people because but I guess it's human nature, right? Like business is business. Yeah. Um, but it's just a shame that it does come at, you know, the risk of people's health and, and stuff just to yeah. make a dollar. Yeah. I mean, but there's a reason people say don't take it personally. It's like, well, because it, what it, they're saying is because I'm going to just basically do whatever uh, goes better for the bank account as opposed to what's better for the person. But we, we've true. always thought, well, you know what, it is personal. And I think when you have, like you, when you've got kids – it, ta- it makes things super personal. So we had um, our little boy had hip problems and wasn't crawling properly and things like that. And we were we were being prepared by our you know the medical fraternity that he was going to have to go into hip braces and all these sorts of things. And absolutely, that was the first path that they went down was that with potential surgery and things like this. And and then somebody you know we sort of thought, well, what can we lose if we just chuck him in these shoes or actually take the shoes off. You know, he might get some cold feet and all the rest of it. But the second we opened him up to that proprioception and that feedback, it was amazing what his body started to do once it realised there was a problem. Yeah. But if you mask that information, well, then how's it supposed to know? Yeah, so 100%. when you start to see those things also as you know, on a personal level, you become somewhat evangelical and that was probably something that we did in the very beginning we were just like oh my god this will change your life this will change your world you have to do this and then we realized okay people have to go on the journey at their own rate and i think publicly the whole world is taking that journey and things like this crazy situation moment, everybody's getting that opportunity to reflect on what's important and of real value yeah and you're right though it's funny how we are all on the same on our own journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, during this this global issue we're at the moment, you know, I mean, I've known for years I need to slow down, and you know, mm-hmm. I've got you know, diet was pretty good. I mean, the the movement stuff I'm working on, but you know, I work long hours. There's stress, yeah. and I knew that wasn't a good thing. But it's kind of hard to stop because you know I wasn't in pain because of it. But being forced to slow down and stop has really reinforced that. You know, again, getting back to simplistic ways of living and, and natural stress relief by just not being at work as much was yeah. so powerful. But I think, yeah, being exposed to these things, um, you know, it's part of the journey, right? And that's like with the shoes, you know, the more people see and hear about it and then start to be okay about just going barefoot a bit more. Because I find even that's still a big issue for some people, just getting out in public, even on the beach, you know, where where it's... It is socially acceptable to be barefoot on the beach. It blows my mind how many people I still see in either shoes or, you know, supportive sandals or whatever. Yeah, really getting back to nature there. Yeah, (laughs) That's it. It's like, come on, you're on the beach. Like, this is one place that you are actually allowed to go barefoot and no one's going to judge you and you still don't feel like you can. But the more people, you know, see people barefoot, then they're going to naturally hopefully go on that journey themselves and want to find a way of replicating that when, they're, when they have to have shoes, which is yeah. where you guys just absolutely fill that void perfectly. Yeah, exactly. And we were, you know, I, 
you always got the sideways glances when the kids would be sort of running down the street without their shoes on and all the rest of it. And I always just used to hold on to a pair of shoes just to sort of alleviate that judgment, you know, which is funny. And now um, when the kids say, do I have to wear shoes? I'm like, no, you don't have to wear shoes. Off you go. Toddle off. Have a good time. See, I'm the opposite. Um, I, don't, I don't carry the shoes and then I wait for someone to, to ask the question. So then I just... Yeah, then it's a free-for-all. So you've asked the question. Here we go. Yeah. Have you got an hour? Because we're about to get, ready. <laughs> you're about to get educated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is funny because, you know, my kids now are um, 13 and 12. And so they have grown up with this, with their parents being the weird ones in the weird shoes and all the rest of it. And they've been, you know, forced to wear it. Now my son won't wear anything else, of course. Um, but interestingly, both really sporty kids – all of their friends have remained the same, and of all of their friends, my two are the only ones that have never worn moon boots, never had any of the foot issues, all those things that that all those other kids in their heavily supported and structured shoes are, are all suffering these repetitive injuries because, sure, the little kids are, are fit, but their feet are absolutely, you know, practically flaccid little lumps of meat on the end of their legs. Yeah, and like you said earlier, the whole proprioceptive side of things, like I see it more and more in the clinic here now, just, you know, more kids and sporty kids, they're fit, healthy kids, but just with issues that at their age they shouldn't be having, you know, I'm just seeing more of it. And I think it's, I mean, the shoes are getting worse as far as, um, you know, traditional shoes that people would would buy, supportive shoes. They're getting more and more supportive and, and... but also, you know, there's more sitting um, than ever before. Foods are changing. Like, kids just aren't kids anymore, and it's really quite sad. Yep. So, let's, yeah. with, um, for those people who are still kind of like, you know, listening in and saying, well, hang on, what are Vivo barefoot shoes? Now, I'm sure most people listening in will know, but what makes Vivo barefoot shoes special? Like, um, it's, it's really simple. The, the name itself means live barefoot. Uh, and the whole concept was that somebody designed a shoe around a person's foot and not design a shoe and then you have to fit your foot into it. So the first part of, that makes a, a Vivo shoe a Vivo shoe is that it is actually designed around the shape and functioning of your foot. And then secondly, there's no pitch which means that it's also not interfering with your gait and your movement patterns. So it's enabling you to live a barefoot lifestyle even when you have to conform to, you know, hey, I've got to wear shoes to the office. And let's face it, you know, excluding when we're in our pandemic offices, you have to do that. So that was their basic concept in the beginning and then it sort of expanded so that we're not just living barefoot, we are living in a way that is not hurting nature as well yeah perfect and there's a bit of a play on words there there's no no pitch there's also no, no uh when that is in heel pitch but there's also no pitch as in yeah. you're not there trying to sell people all these features that they don't need so i also like that as well yeah same and it's you know, we talk about how um you know there's a couple of sort of analogies that we used to use early on to sort of explain you know that you even though you've got technology, it doesn't mean you have to use it because these shoes, they just shove stuff in, you know, hand over fist. It's like, oh, we can put this in. Oh, we can put air in it. We can do this. We can do that. Let's put it all in there. Well, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And, you know, and then the other thing is that people are telling them, oh, you've got a problem. Well, put a, a um, an orthotic in a shoe. And we've always said orthotics are fantastic and they serve a purpose for those people who need it, the the 5% or the injury in those acute moments. And it's funny how people never seem to sort of, you wouldn't absolutely question your doctor if if somebody said, right, you've got a, you've broken your arm, we're gonna put a cast on, and we're just gonna leave that on for the rest of your life, just in case it gets injured again. Nobody ever thinks that that's a reasonable solution, but people, hurt their foot or people, you know, put all this support under there and they never, ever progress out of them. And it's sort of like, well, you've looked at your arm after it comes out of a cast, haven't you? And the, the way that your muscles atrophy and, and the state, what do you think is happening to a foot when it's kept in the equivalent of a cast for years? The same thing. 
but people for some reason think that it's cool to do that with the, the your founding, um, you know, the thing that drives you, the thing that holds you up, your only point of contact with the earth, and we keep it in this state that's just crazy weak. But I guess on the flip side, we've been so conditioned to believe that we need something on our feet, not only to support them or to protect them, but even just socially. Yeah. You know, like, like we just mentioned before, like, you know, you see someone, and I get the looks all the time because I'm quite often barefoot and my family's barefoot, that people will kind of almost look down at you because you haven't got shoes on in a place where you should. Yeah. You know, so there's that side of it too. But, yeah, it's it's bizarre. And it's the same with kids, right? Like hmm. I'll, um, when I'm trying to explain to to parents, you know, that you've got too much support. Like your child needs to – they're not walking properly – they need to feel the ground more and activate these muscles or whatever. And they just don't get it. And, and like the analogy you were just saying, I'll quite often say to them, well, when they were crawling, did you put a back brace on them? You know, because their yeah. little hips were still a bit weak. Like you didn't want them to get hurt. And they're like, well, why would I do that? And I'm like, well, why would you put shoes on? Like it's yep. the same thing, right? Yeah. Or when you're playing with building blocks, I used to say, well, you know, would you consider putting oven mitts on your kids? You know, while they're out exploring. Definitely. No, because- Jeez, you wouldn't want them to hurt their fingers. Right. <laughs> And but, a hard hat and <laughs> the works. And they just, you know, or if you've ever tried doing anything with, with gloves on, how how it throws your, your rhythm out and you can't feel the keys, so you press harder on a keyboard and all those sorts of things. And yet your feet, there we go. It's just, it's for some reason people have removed our feet as from part of our body. It's sort of like they are treated completely different to everything else. Well, they are. They literally are treated differently to every part of yeah. every other part of our body. Yep. Strengthen, condition, you know, maintain words that you hear all the time and you go to the gym to make sure that you're fit and strong and then the exact opposite for your feet. Yeah. Yep. And same as, you know, yeah, flexibility. No. It's a range of motion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this stuff I've spoken, you know, about in the podcast over the years, but you know, even flexibility. You know, we know we need to be flexible. We will stretch every other part of our body. But same thing, you know, we'll stick our feet in shoes that won't allow for any normal range of motion. Our feet will become yeah. really rigid and stiff and don't then serve the purpose of what a foot's meant to do. But then no one, like everyone's okay with that. Like it's just, you know, like bunions are normal. Yes. Oh, the <laughs> amount of they're not normal. Just because your oh, grandma no, had got- them doesn't mean... <laughs> You know, you're not destined to get them. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, right. So your grandma had really bad fitting shoes too. Good to <laughs> that's know. Right. That's what I Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so there's a family history of terrible shoes. Okay, great. <laughs> we know what we're dealing with. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. It is, sorry, go ahead. No, that's right. I was going to say, so, so Vivos are obviously, you know, minimal um, material to, to allow your foot to just do mm-hmm. what it needs to do. So I guess some of the questions I get um, are around protecting feet. Um, I'm okay with myself and my kids being out and getting our feet dinged up. I've always believed that, you know, it's easier to heal a small wound (laughs) than it is to try and fix a biomechanical issue. Absolutely. But for the people who, you know, who are worried about, protecting feet or, um, you know, are in areas where, yeah, there may be some dangerous things on the ground. What do Vivo Barefoot um, offer and, and, and having that thin, because what are they, about four mil, three mil, four mil thick? Yeah, so starting at three mil, starts at three mil and the the um, thickest is, you know, the the trail and the track sort of shoes. They, they go up to about um, seven and eight mil. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a puncture-resistant layer in them. So when you compare them to a traditional shoe like a Converse or something, um, they are actually more protective than something like that. So the other thing to take into account is one of the things that you gain when you have that um, – that thin amount between you and the ground uh, as we talk about your proprioception you gain the ability to actually feel what's under your foot mm-hmm. so you actually tread more lightly and are less prone to be banging into things like that it's you know which also flows on to you know older people and falls and things like that so the the effect of having a really thin outer sole other than it being 
protective because of the um, the layer that they put in there. Um, it also means that you don't wear through the shoes as much because you are feeling the ground. So we find that, you know, people have run marathons in the same pair of shoes, you know, for two years in a row because their movement patterns and their, their biomechanics are much better. Mm-hmm. So the way that you move, you know, that, that you are able to move because you've got your proprioception sort of firing again means that you have the potential to move more lightly and you know, embrace a better gait and movement patterns. So there's, it's, it's not just as simple as, oh, it's, you know, you've got a great protective layer in there, but it actually you get greater protection because you've got greater proprioception. And I see that with children all the time. I will quite often get parents coming in asking about, you know, why little Johnny's shoes are wearing out on this side or that side. And, you know, we'll assess them. But more often than not, we end up recommending um, like a barefoot shoe. Yeah. And parents are just mild. I mean, it takes a while to kind of, you know, break down barriers and things. But parents are mind blown when the shoes, and, and quite often it's Vivos, that just outlive any other shoe they've ever had. And, yeah. you know, so, I mean, the parents are happy about how long they last. They normally outgrow them. Um, yeah. I had a lady, I ended up calling her and I was like, you know, she was telling me how she went through shoes or the child was going through shoes. It was every three to six months at school. <laughs> and after about 12 months, I'd called and was like, oh, I just wanted to touch base about, you know, did you need any more, you know, Vivos, um, putting in an order, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> she was like, no, like, they still fit, and the is it is this weird? Like the sole is still looking perfect. Like, yeah. like no, that's actually pretty normal because, like, what you were just saying, Siri, the you know you start feeling it if you start landing hard on the ground or scuffing your feet, it yeah. hurts. <laughs> like you get instant feedback that that's not normal. That's hurting. I'm going to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the shoes just pretty much will last until the child outgrows the soles. I'm finding. Yeah, and, and look, it's it obviously it depends. You get kids who use their shoe as a, a brake on a, a skateboard or a scooter and oh, that's yeah, going to yeah. go through it. Yeah. But it is really interesting because our kids, my son's in a size nine and a half, ten men's shoe already and he's, like I said, he just turned 12. Mm-hmm. So he he well and truly grew through everything we had. We never wore through a sole, but there was a lot of time there where we were just passing shoes from his sister to him. And we get a lot of that within families, which I just love because, again, that's part of the whole looking after the planet thing too. You know, if you've got one pair of shoes going through three, um, three kids, then that's obviously better. And it's so far from fast fashion that it's also something that sort of, it sits well with us as well. And I find with like with your shoes, it's easier to do that. With a traditional shoe that has like a raised heel and thick cushioning, if child number one, you know, walks a certain way and wears down one of the edges of the shoes, then you pass that shoe on to number two. Yeah. That child then, the biomechanics around that shoe have changed and it can force yeah. number two to walk differently by number three like they've got no hope in walking or finding their own kind of rhythm to how they walk because they're just, you know, they've got to compensate around how that shoe's been worn in in the past. Yeah. With Vivos, there's kind of, there's nothing to hold you any which way. So that's right. You kind of just find your own groove. You can, you know, feel what you need to feel and let your body take care of itself to absorb absorb shock and and activate the right muscles. So, you know, as far as passing shoes on, these are definitely a much better option to do that and a safer option because mm-hmm. you're not going to be, you know, forcing... Uh, passing on the, the bad habits and the that's problem. That's right, yeah, passing on all the bad habits. So, yeah, and I have never thought about um, like that in the past with um, with families I see, but, yeah, it's a great idea being able to pass, pass these shoes down the line. Yeah, and it's one of the things as well because with a lot of the designs, because it's still a really a small company in the scales of, you know, of shoe manufacturers. They've kept a lot of stuff um, unisex as well, um, not just because it's sort of easier but because there was lots of input because everybody was sort of had young families growing at the same time and when you let kids be themselves, a little boy 
doesn't care. My, my son was into, you know, hot pink and pink and all that sort of stuff for a good two years. And if you're not interfering with that, it gives you that great versatility throughout, you know, the styles as well. So we were, we've often had sort of feedback that, you know, it's nice and easy because A, it's not, there's no fuss with it. You know, we're not sticking butterflies and glitter and princesses and all that sort of stuff on them. Um, it's just good functional footwear that lets them climb the trees, that lets them, you know, do whatever they need to do. If they have to wear a shoe to kinder, then they can wear those. But it's not um, it's not something that's going to sort of flow on into their identity as well, you know, because yeah, yeah. you find a lot of stuff is making decisions for kids and these shoes just let them do exactly what they want to do. But I must say I've also liked that, especially these days, you've got more of those staple shoes that kind of seem to be there year-round as well. Yeah. So, you know, for parents that, like, in the past, it may have been, um, especially with school shoes, for instance, they'd kind of come and go and then they'd change style. It's definitely, well, from what I can see, and I'm sure you'd be able to let me know if this is true or if I'm just, (laughs) I don't know, wishing, but it seems to be that, you know, school shoes, for instance, they're more of a staple. They, They look like a school shoe, they're staying there in the range, they're easy enough to get your hands on non-COVID times, Um, which I think is great for families to be able to just, you know, stick with that shoe, it's easy to make that decision, you know it works, you need a new size, you get the same shoe and off you go for the next year or two, whatever it takes. That's a Australian thing. So I'm I'm proud of the fact that um, we in Australia have been – a driving force behind the children's market Mm -hmm. Um, and we are the biggest children's market for Vivo in the world Um, so it's always been important to us but the reason we fought we have fought um, head office because you don't forget most of the countries don't have the same uniform policies that we do so the school thing has been really dear to our hearts and we um Put everything sort of put it all on the line and ordered as much as we could possibly get our hands on um, so that we wouldn't be letting people down um, we were struggling for a long time there to get stock so as soon as they got some we we sacrificed some other other stuff uh, and went really heavy on the kids stuff so that we weren't letting mums and dads down when it came to school time but it's still a work in progress and they are now starting to put more of a focus as a company on the children's area and we're going to continue to push it from the Australian New Zealand side. Yeah, great. So so kids is something you want to, like moving forward, stick with and really push um, long-term, you think? Oh, it's, it is passionate for us and we were talking about this, Gary and I were talking about this last night, that he left a, a really nicely paying job for us to start this company and it's been a a long, tough slog, and he said, but I I couldn't have done it knowing what I could have done to change things. So basically, we if we when we got into this, we wanted to make sure um, that we weren't breaking children and creating a, a, you know, a problem. We wanted to be part of the solution and we wanted to, when we were looking at our own little kids, we were sort of going, how could you not... How could you not care about that? And and we really need to, because the kids' business has been on the chopping block a few times, and we've been saying and have said, because there's not a huge amount of profit in, in children's shoes, and getting them to Australia is expensive, all that sort of stuff, but it's really important for us that we don't break kids just so that we have to fix them later on. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you just let them be their perfect little selves, then they've got a much greater chance of living a healthier, better functioning life. So if we can start them right, well, then at least we've done what we can until it's their decision. But I also feel, because I'm, I'm the same, right? I, and Gary and I have spoken quite a bit about the, the kids' shoe um, market. And for me, it's a, it's a huge one as well. I mean, I've got young kids, so I guess that's probably part of it too, that I need school shoes for my children. Yeah. I want to make sure they're the best ones possible. But... You know, I truly believe as, you know, for, for our generation to be able to start 
the next generation of you know young kids coming through and changing their perception of what they need on their feet is yeah. huge you know because if if we just stay on the same wheel of what we've been doing for the last 20 odd years then we're only going to get worse and that conditioning is going to become worse where mm. we start changing that now getting kids into better shoes letting them feel what it feels like to use their feet yeah and like realistically they're not really want to going to want to go back to the old style of shoe you know with support anyway yeah feel right like if my kids i my three-year-old who like very rarely wears like shoes at all yep unless we're literally bike riding or something where he you know he's likely to hurt himself (laughs) (laughs) so we go to the snow a lot and we just got him some new snowboard boots Right. And he put them on um, at home. So he was so excited. You know, he's been wanting his own boots. So he, you know, got them. And he put them on. And within a couple of minutes, they're like, nah, take them off. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And he's like, they don't feel good. He's like, they're not barefoot. They hurt. I was yeah. like, oh, no. Like, this is bad. I mean, it's good that he knows that instinctively at three. But it's going to be terrible snow season for me trying yeah. to keep these <laughs> boots on his feet. <laughs> but. But it is funny how they just know, like, kids in my six-year-old's the same. Like, he'll, like, he will not put anything on his feet. He doesn't even want to. Like, he just, he'll even comment on other people's shoes now um, yeah. at how how funny they look um, if they look too supportive and that they're not barefoot enough. Yeah. But kids know, and I think giving them that start in life, it's going to be huge for their, their movement health uh, yeah. long-term and, you know, and hopefully start changing the human race has to yeah and um, look we we understand i mean i'm i go out for you know for dinner and to functions and and i still wear high heels um and i know that they're terrible for me and i feel terrible afterwards but the thing is that my foundation now is so strong and what i am aware of is the damage that it's doing to me and it's now like a, a five percenter so i wear terrible shoes five percent of the time if that the rest of the time I'm wearing good shoes now I've got a a teenage daughter who I can tell you at six was awesome would only wear this would make all of that sort of stuff now at 13 it's a different ball game there is a lot of peer pressure to wear what's cool Mm -hmm. Um, and she does she will you know occasionally go out and wear a and we've got a compromise it has to have zero pitch but she'll wear a zero pitch with a thicker sole to be cool so that she feels that but the thing is she doesn't like wearing them and then spends the rest of her time barefoot and looking after her functionality so it's really interesting that even though it goes against everything her little teenage self wants as far as peer pressure because we've given her that foundation, she understands and she knows it. So even when they go through that, all of the good work that we're doing with the, you know, letting the kids develop properly, it pays off in one way or another. So even though there's those hiccups, she still goes to barefoot and vivo and, oh, my God, that feels so much better, you know? <laughs> that's good, though. Yeah, that's it is. That's, that's all we can do. I think that's great that she, um, you know, has that yeah. awareness, and that's, you know, if nothing else, like having, and like you were saying about your feet, you know, if if nothing else, if you have an awareness and a knowledge of what's, and not even good and bad, but just what feels good versus mm. what doesn't feel as good, yeah, and you can make an informed decision. It's like food, right? Like we try and teach our young about healthy foods, and regardless of what you believe in about foods, like. You know, you will try and teach your kids the best you know about what's healthy and what's not. Yeah. And at some point, your children, you know, and yourself, like you make that decision of like, do I want to eat something that I know is going to make me feel bloated and terrible and sluggish, but it's a bit easy and quick right now, then you might say, well, yeah, right, it's worth the payoff. But, yeah. you know, otherwise you're trying to be healthy and try and eat healthier foods. And if you have the same sort of knowledge around footwear, you're going to make the same decision and at least – own the decision if your feet are sore afterwards you'll know why and you'll know yep. you need to spend the next two weeks barefoot to try and you know fix what you that just did that. on that one night so you know if yeah. nothing else I think that's a, that's a huge win yeah that's great well, that she does it 
yeah, it is. It's it's really comforting because it it does it reinforces that message, like you said, like everything that we do as mums and dads is trying to set them up with the information to make the right choices. Mm-hmm. So and and owning the choices that you make. So, you know, the amount of pressure is tremendous on kids to just look like each other. Doesn't even matter yeah. if they're looking good. If they're all looking terrible, they just they want to look like each other, whether it's terrible or good or whatever. But that she's able to now recognise that and she understands, like we're talking about diet, you have those, this is how your body needs to, you know, the food that you should give your body, you've got to give it the best opportunity to do the right things. And then if you went out and your friends are going to eat that stuff, if you eat it, you've got to understand the consequences. And she does. And it's a it's a really good thing to know, but that's part of that whole not breaking the generation. We're giving them all of the information, the tools, and they get to then see through all of the marketing as well, which is really cool. Yeah, it's funny how when you start the whole marketing side of things, because that's, yep. that's just a game changer. When you start breaking down some of the walls around, for me, you know, footwear yep. and even parents, it just starts getting you to question more and more things. It's Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah, but then you can like, and it doesn't matter, you know, where it goes and where your journey goes, but at least you, you start opening that mind and kind of starting to make decisions based on what you find and what you actually really believe in for you and yeah. your family as opposed to just going with the flow and, you know, with the herd and just doing it because everyone else is doing it. Like you said, even if it's bad for you. Yeah. Um, or may not look cool to other people, but if everyone's doing it, yeah, it might be hurting the whole world. But if you kind of feel like you're going to fit in, you'll do it. But if you start, yeah, opening that mind, researching, you know, paying more attention, yeah, and it just empowers you to make better informed decisions for yourself. Yeah, and uh, the question, you know, teaching people to question, so mm-hmm. teaching our kids why is to ask you know, of everything, you know. So this should be done this way. Why should it be done that way? So one of the things with Vivo is that everything is so beautifully simple that everything can can be answered. There's no – and it can be answered really simply too. It yes. is it's, – it's so beautifully simple that it can be explained and it can be answered. And I haven't really come up against any questions so far, you know, that – can't be answered quite simply with, you know, because it's better for you, because it makes the shoe function better with your foot, because it lets your foot do, you know, it's so simple. Everything right. that you do is so that you can function better. So whereas when you look at the the construction of so many mainstream and conventional shoes, you have to sort of, you've got to wonder. And when you ask why, it's like, well, it looks good or because we could, you know, and they don't they don't know the answer a lot of the time, and that's that's. But it's just, easier to sell, which oh. really sucks. Yeah. You know, because you can market. Well, yeah, we've got this newest, you know, cushioning system, and yeah, why? Yeah. What does it matter? That's that's not you know. Just look at the cushioning though. Feel this, like. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh okay, it does feel good. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, uh, you know, sometimes simple is harder to or less sexy, you know. But mm. anyway, I think what you guys are doing is. You've you know, raised huge awareness around the barefoot health benefits and um, you know, and bringing Vivo to Australia. It's been been awesome. Yeah, With, we're really. Um, yeah, what's that? I said we're really proud. It's um, it's something that you know when you start off in life, you want to make sure that you leave the place better than you left it and I think that if we can continue with Vivo the 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 company ethos and everything that we're aiming for with you know the way that the shoes are now being produced and how we we have a positive impact on the planet it'll be nice to know that when we sort of step away it's it's we've done something good oh definitely and just on that so what's the direction I know um yeah you've changed where it's all being made there's a lot more environmentally friendly things going on. Do you want to just um, touch on a few of those things as well and some of the benefits um, around all these changes that have just, well, that are happening with Vivo? So Vivo have always been, um, you know, environmentally and socially aware. Right back in the early days, they did a lot of work with, um, in Ethiopia and African communities where, a lot of people say, oh, we're helping, you know, with an orphanage and then kids get to the end of 
the orphanage stage and then they're left in this sort of wasteland of still not being socially acceptable, not having jobs or education to go to. So Vivo has worked with um, foundations called Soul of Africa where they would take kids, put them in an orphanage, um, have them looked after and then educate them and then assimilate them into the community without any of the stigmas attached. But they expanded it then to create industries for those communities so that it was actually Ethiopian communities that were being fully sustained. Then they expanded it to take from, instead of buying leather from China and things like that, what they did was they worked with the tribesmen over there so that the cattle that the tribesmen used for to feed themselves, which roamed free so they had a, a nice lifestyle, um, not kept in a, a cage for their lives and herded here and herded there. Once the, the cattle is used by the tribesmen, we take the hides, which is why they have scars and marks and things like that because they're free roaming, and the cycle continues. So that's one aspect. That's the leather-based aspect of it. But then when it comes to the non-leather-based things, it's easy, and there was a huge trend towards vegan shoes, but a lot of the early work in vegan shoes and, and continuing in vegan is, yes, it's non-animal product, but it really can be terrible for the environment. So people were using recycled bottles, but they were making the bottles to then recycle them because it was cheaper than actually recycling them. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So Vivo, whatever they've done, they've made sure that it is 100% ethically based and done so that if they say we've recycled bottles, these are bottles that have been used and taken and recycled. Then they took it a step further and said, well, why why don't we clean up other parts? And then there was the algae-based products, the bio products, and now we're using corn products as well so that things are breaking down faster in our environment. The fact that they're, there's a minimal issue means that it just on – on that one simple principle, there's less in landfill anyway. They're durable, so they don't have, you know, the cycle of the, their life is longer. We're also moving towards um, hopefully um, fairly soon in the next year or two, um, revivoing, so reconditioning the shoes so that we can actually um, sell shoes that have been, you know, grown out of and things like that so that we can return them and increase the life cycle of products. So there's so many really cool things that they just continue to strive to make sure that everything that we're doing is is making a positive advancement because if if you want to do the right thing you've got to do the right thing all the way it's it's and it, but it's expensive and it's hard and it's a real slog so it were a bit probably you know we'd love to have it all done yesterday but the thing is when you're drilling down into you know, is that dye vegan and is the, the the stuff that went into the glue vegan, not just the glue vegan. So there's, it's so difficult to make sure that everything is absolutely spot on, that they're really taking their time with it. But the products that are coming through are, are super exciting. So cool. I've seen a few of um, these new type of feet, these, you know, even the algae ones and, um, and stuff you're talking about, mm. they're super cool. Like they yeah. feel amazing, they feel yeah. durable, they look good. So, you know, it's not even just that it's environmentally friendly. Like they they still fit the purpose of having a great shoe as well with how they feel and look, um, yeah. which I guess is also important. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Look, in the beginning, in the early years, it was a real commitment. When you wanted to – if if you wanted to wear Vivo, you really had to commit because there was nothing fashionable about them at all. Mm. It was quite a statement indeed. You were well and truly saying how brave you were. It's like, yes, check me out. I have the ugliest shoes on the planet on my feet. <laughs> but they have come a long way and have, um, which is one of the things I think that's helped it sort of transition into um, more of a part of your, your wardrobe is that they now – focus on the fact that yeah you know if you want to if you're going to want to wear something then it it has to look good so they've gone beyond the function actually looking at the the fashion side of it too and there's so you're right they're really cool and some cutting edge exciting designs oh they're awesome like i i find it so difficult now like 
whenever I'm, you know, meet up with Gary to see the new range or I log on to, um, you know, order shoes for clients. Like, I have to hold myself, I literally hold my hands back from ordering myself more shoes because yeah. <laughs> there are this constantly new ones coming out that just look awesome. Like, I just, like, I think I've become an addict. It's terrible. <laughs> it, it happens before you know it. You wake up one morning and you just can't stop. Um, did you show you any of the, uh, the um, manufactured leather? Have you seen any of that stuff yet? Ooh, which ones are they? Are they the... <laughs> Well, there's some of the, the geo, geo cord as well, but some of the stuff that they've done. Oh, yeah, yeah, the geo cord. Yeah, that were cool. Yeah, so they've got the leather, but one of the things that Vivo's been working on is because there's so many um, offcuts and waste in the leather industry, and not just in shoes, it's in fashion, it's in bags, all that sort of stuff, that they're working on um, an, an artificial leather, but it's not artificial. What they do is they get all of the scraps of leather, grind it down, and then turn it into a sheet of manufactured leather um, so that we're minimising waste. That's just amazing. I, I was sitting there with a bit of leather and the manufactured leather and couldn't tell the difference. It was phenomenal. That's, is that on the geocord, is it? That was the, the sample that I saw was for the, on the geocord. I think that it's something that they're looking at sort of how they can work it into the range and where, where they'll bring it. But just the advancements and the things that they're doing are, are fantastic. That's so cool. Isn't it? Uh, I'll keep posting as um, Gary keeps showing me new stuff. I'll, I'll keep putting more stuff up on Instagram. I know a lot of people get really excited when I put some of the new, you know, upcoming shoes out or new features. Like, it's almost like a little cult of Vivo fans <laughs> that just, you know, want to know what's next, which is, again, why yeah. I'm excited to get you on today to, to kind of, yeah, chat about this stuff because it, it is exciting and I, I find it exciting where Vivo is going. They just seem to be constantly evolving and and just yeah a step ahead just really pushing the envelope on what's possible and you know and like we said earlier they just they look good they look part as well so yeah. with um with sole distribution which is your you know yours and gary brand that um have vivo australia where are yeah. you guys going with this brand so where's where's sole distribution all the way. Um, <laughs> no, we um, so we've been with them, like I said, from the very beginning, and we are talking about um, being with them for at least the next ten years. So we're in a relationship that if if it ever breaks us breaks up, it'll be one of those. You know, it, it's not us; it's them. Yeah. <laughs> we we love the brand. We love bringing it to Australia, and I think um, one of the things is that the Australian market is is quite unique and the Australian um, the Australian terrain is also something that was pretty tough. So in the beginning of the brand, they you know, there was a lot of development. It was all based on Europe and we're like, cool. Going for a bushwalk in Australia is quite different from a bushwalk in the UK. So we need to work on testing in other environments. And so since then they've, um, you know, they now test on a number of continents before they say that it's, properly tested so all those sorts of things have become the longer we've been with the brand the more um we're able to get australian centric sort of um product and and things evolving and the more the the further we get involved i think the more we want to get involved so hopefully moving into the future you know maybe we if if we're lucky and if we keep going we would like to play a much bigger role in the the children's production as well so yeah awesome yeah, like that's super important. I think it's mm. yeah. There's still so much to be done with with kids' shoes. Well, I'm yeah. glad you guys are, are pushing as hard as you are as well, and 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 bringing you know even better products to Australia than than would have been you know without you guys. Um, so thank, thank you. you. <laughs> uh, well, look, the thing is, though, Paul, that, that all of that is really cool, and we can have the coolest shoes out there. But unless there are people like you and like a lot of the other practitioners that we work with who are posting, you know, the amazing stuff that you do um, with your kids and the movement and that foot exercises and things like that. That's the sort of stuff that is is really helping us because we're not a company that is going to throw, you know, tens of thousands of dollars at some celebrity to say they like the shoe. We've chosen a path and that path has been through working with educated people and 
and basically having organic growth through word of mouth and and things like that. So, thank you. No, I'll I'll keep um, as long as you guys keep pushing this sort of quality out. I'll, I'll definitely be behind the brand and behind you guys all the way. So, where can um, where can people have a look at Vivo Australia? So, uh, the easiest spot to go to is uh, vivobarefoot.com slash au uh, and that's got the the largest range and if you know the the number on the website and the contact details if you're looking for stockists around the country then there are other places as well Um, but people like yourself that's obviously a great way to go and then just to check out the the ranges online and um, and take it from there and social media, can people follow you guys and, and get any sort of updates and info info there? Actually, glad you mentioned that because one of the things that um, it, we'd love your listeners to understand is that the Australian, you know, Vivo Barefoot Australian New Zealand has regional specific um, information. So if they jump on Instagram and, and say, yeah, I'm following Vivo Barefoot, the chances are they're following Vivo Barefoot UK. Yeah. So everything they're getting, the information is not specific or relevant for Australia. Like there are some products that they make for over there that never even make it down here. And likewise, you know, we're getting product that they don't have yet and things like that. So make sure you follow Vivo Barefoot Australia NZ uh, on Insta and Facebook. So yeah. And I'll put the links in the bottom of the uh, show notes as well. And, and for anyone that follows my Instagram, I'm constantly tagging Vivo Australia and, and, you know, putting things up on there. So you'll be able to find the link on there too if you – but it'll be in the show notes anyway. So just jump on there, give them a follow, and, yeah, stay up to date with, with what's happening here in Australia. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sui, for, um, for chatting today. It's, uh, it's been Thanks great. For it's been fun. Yeah, it has. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add before we, we wrap up or is – Oh, and stay well, I think. Stay well, stay barefoot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.